0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit! draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball. Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, and that was. Absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't.
1: From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit
0: basketball! Hey, what's going on, Pistons fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, brought to you by believe podcast network aaron johnson and jasper apollonia here with you for this week's show we're still waiting on mike to give us some time to come back on the show but he's been so busy running the cleveland cavaliers podcast on believe so if you want to get uh some perspective on the cavaliers another team in the division of the detroit pistons definitely make sure to go and check him out he's been hosting that uh with Derek anderson so we know Mike's killing it. I've listened to uh, a couple episodes so far. It's great stuff, but we miss Mike here. We're hoping to get him back on at least in some in, uh, in some sort of uh, rotation or something, uh, it, hopefully soon. But for now, you're stuck with just Jasper and I. So Jasper, since you're kind enough to
1: join me, unlike Mike, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. Really, let's not sugarcoat it. The fact of the matter is Mike is an actual adult. Uh, unlike me, despite my advanced age as well, I'm I'm about to be 29 in August. Uh, you know, Mike is driving his girlfriend to places. He's selling his house. That, that's stuff that like real adults do. I don't have to do any of that stuff. So I'm always here, and I'm more than happy to be back on this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, Aaron. Um, I mean, hey, we don't have, you know, former Cleveland Brown legend Derek Anderson as our co host, but we're not too bad either, are we? No, I, you know, we're, we're, we're
0: bad, but we're not like that, that bad. Like, obviously, you know, Mike, eh, eh, he, he's obviously the star over there. Like, we get it. You know, we don't have that star power here, but I like to think we, we try to bring, uh, some good perspective on the Detroit Pistons and sometimes the NBA uh, as a whole, and, and sometimes that comes with with getting ripped apart in the YouTube comments section, you know, having our lives threatened and our, our any sort of integrity that we have shredded to pieces. But then there's also you know those those really nice stories where where someone comments and says, "Hey, you know." Uh, I, I've been listening to Pistons podcast. You guys have converted me to your podcast because you guys uh, give such a good perspective on the team. So those ones kind of uh, they make up for, for all that, the hate that we seem to get in the in the YouTube comment section. But Hey,
1: you know what, Aaron? I even appreciate the hate, uh, if you can even call it that, because the people that I do see, you know, sometimes leaving those negative comments, they're repeat listeners. So whether you are a, a first time listener or you're a repeat listener, whether it's because you hate us or love us. We do appreciate it either way. Uh, it really does mean a lot to us to, to be growing this, uh, you know, following and to be growing this podcast, uh, even while Mike is taking his celebrity tour around the world. So we do really appreciate it for, for all of our listeners out there. Well, we got some fun stuff to get into today, Jasper. But first off, we
0: couldn't, we couldn't go any further in this show uh, without talking about our sponsor, bet online bet online is the fastest and easiest way to manage all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines find reviews and news for every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf bet online continues to be the top online resource resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLE50. That's B L E A V five zero to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So Jasper, we've got a couple interesting topics to talk about. Uh, going, you know, we talked about a little bit our comments section in our podcast. Maybe we provide some controversy from from time to time that gets the people going. What else has brought plenty of controversy uh, going back to nineteen, the you know mid-1990s now to today are the Detroit Pistons teal jerseys, the teal era uh, of Detroit basketball uh, with the horse logo. Those are coming back. Those jerseys are coming back. The Detroit Pistons announced earlier this week that the classic edition uniforms for the 2022-2023 NBA season will be the throwback teal detroit pistons jerseys now i love these jerseys i think they look great i think it's it's unique it's so much better than the jerseys of recent years where it's just a a bland gray or even a couple of years not not a couple but probably four or five years ago when it was like that cream gray or cream white and it was absolutely disgusting. these bring a lot more flair to to uh, the the situation for Detroit, I mean, it, it goes back to that era of of Grant Hill, Jerry Stackhouse, Lindsey Hunter, Ben Wallace, some of those those all time you know Pistons that that stand out that have had you know great careers uh, with the Pistons, and, and and you know with Grant Hill, obviously he played great elsewhere, um, but these jerseys they have brought a lot of controversy, and a lot of the fans you know, who are a little bit older were around uh, back when these were being worn in 1996, 1997. They're not as big of fans of these jerseys as, as the younger generation seemingly is because if you go on Twitter, the majority of the people talking about these jerseys absolutely love them. They're ecstatic. They've been, there have been campaigns for years to bring the teal back return of the teal return of the teal. Everyone's wanted it back. Now they're coming back. You're, you're hearing from the older crowd that these are terrible, that it represents a bad time in, in Detroit Pistons uh, franchise history, but the young people love them. I love them.
1: How do you feel about it? What do you think about all this controversy surrounding these new jerseys? Well, first off, Aaron, I want to apologize to Jerry Stackhouse, Terry Mills, uh, Alan Houston, and of course, crucial member of the original dream team, Christian Laettner, for being so heinously omitted from your list of Pistons legends that... That did wear the teal at one point or another.
0: Stackhouse did wear. N- huh? I did say Jerry Stackhouse. Today. Oh,
1: did you? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, then Joe Dumars deserves okay. uh, an apology from me then uh, on behalf of you. No, uh, Aaron, you know, for me, it's interesting because, you know, you're a little bit younger than I am, and I actually didn't really start watching basketball until the early 2000s. So I don't really have many memories of the teal jerseys. If anything, actually, when I first started watching basketball, I had a bunch of cards from the 90s, uh, and I was very confused why the Pistons didn't wear teal, because all the cards I had, they were wearing the teal with the horse logo. Um, so I, I was never actually a big fan of the color scheme. I always loved that horse logo, and even if they didn't bring back the teal, I would have been okay with them bringing back that, that horse as a kid. I just thought it was cool, uh, and it was a very unique very different kind of logo. Uh, And I think that stands out even more, especially today when so many NBA teams, so many franchises among sports, so many just corporate things in general have become so simplified in their logos. Everything is so simple and straightforward. Uh, The Pistons logo from the 90s is not that. It's very busy. And I kind of like that. Uh, It's just an alternative kind of look. I will say this though. Despite my lack of strong feelings on this, I think it's important to note that there are former players that do have really strong feelings on that. And being a little bit younger, it's easy to lose that perspective of why those teal jerseys were so hated, why they were so controversial at the time. Luckily enough, Isaiah Thomas, on an episode of Full Court back in the day, kind of explained why he was so upset with it. And you could see him get visibly angry talking about this. The Pistons were, frankly, a middling franchise for the majority of their existence. They were okay in the 70s. Um, but up until the 80s, they did not really experience a whole bunch of success. When Isaiah Thomas came into the organization, when he as a player, changed the entire mentality when he adjusted his own playing style in order to win, when they built that team really from the ground up, first being a, a credible offensive juggernaut, then being the bad boy Pistons defense. I mean, when you think defense, you think the bad boy Pistons, period. They had reached the mountaintop. They won back-to-back titles, should have been back-to-back-to-back titles. Right after Isaiah retires, because of his injuries, the Pistons front office, their ownership, goes, hey, we've just gotten to the pinnacle of the NBA franchises. We're one of the elites now. But we don't like being the bad boys anymore. We don't like having this negative reputation around our franchise. We want to move away from that. And... By completely revamping their look, by completely revamping their image, what the Pistons essentially did was was spit on that legacy that had just been created by Isaiah Thomas, by Joe Dumars, by Dennis Rodman, by John Sally, by Rick Mahorn, by Bill Lambeer. They basically said, hey, we know that you made our mediocre franchise into one of the best in the league, but we don't want to be the bad boys anymore. We don't want to have that image of being dirty and mean. And I think really what they did was insult those guys. They insulted their legacies. And they really insulted themselves by trying to to do something else. How can you say after you finally put together the base of a winning franchise that you then want to move away from that? Why would you want to move away from the legacy of winning? Why would you want to move away from the legacy of being tough? Why would you want to move away from essentially what the city of Detroit is all about? Grit, grind, people coming together to create something greater than the sum of their individuals. And when I think about the teal jerseys, yes, they look cool. Yes, they are fun for the younger fans. But at the same time I don't think that you can have a proper discussion a proper evaluation of them without taking into account what they meant at the time and if it's just about aesthetics that's fine but at the same time I think we need to have that perspective on what those former players felt and why they were so against the teal jerseys not just be like oh you're old that's why you don't like them oh you're boring that's why you don't like them no people don't like them because they were a repudiation of everything that had come before them in the previous decade. So that's how I feel about it. Do I necessarily care that they're back in the teal? Not so much. But I do think at the same time, we have to respect and understand why the teal was so controversial, Aaron.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like you said, I am definitely on the younger side, so I wasn't around um, you know, during the time that they were wearing these jerseys. I actually didn't know the full story that you kind of just gave all the backstory to it. I mean, I I knew a little bit, but I've never really cared enough about jerseys or or these jerseys in general to really go into the details and and into the weeds of why they are so controversial. Um, I guess at the end of the day, for me, it's like, they're just, they're just a Jersey, you know, they're going to wear them 10 games next year. It's not like they're wearing these every game, it's not like these are, you know, they're home and a ways. These are classics. They're wearing them for 10 games. You know, I think they're going to do numbers in terms of, of selling, you know, the, the, the Cade, the Ivy jerseys, you know, the Sadiq Bay, like those are going to go off the shelves fast. They're going to sell. Well, I think that was a big reason why, uh, you know, they eventually decided to bring them back. Uh, Cause this is something that people have been asking about for years. And I think, it's not a coincidence that Detroit's finally starting to become, or, you know, Detroit's finally starting to become an interesting team and, and, and have some promise. And now is when they decide uh, to, to, to bring these back. Cause there's a little bit more buzz around um, the Pistons, even if they're not necessarily going to be good yet, they at least have some interesting young players that people care about. So I don't think it's a coincidence that they're coincidence that they're finally back now. Um, And yeah, I mean, I like them. Um, I also like kind of how you mentioned teams nowadays are, are, are getting so simplistic, so bland with, with their jerseys, you know, uh, the jazz, for example, they released uh, new jerseys that just look so dull and so boring. This is something different. Um, It obviously excites some people. It obviously annoys and bothers others. So it's a little divisive, I guess. Uh, I didn't, quite understand that a topic of a jersey that that players are going to wear you know could be this um divisive again i guess i'll use that word once again but at the end of the day to me it's just a jersey they're wearing them for 10 games um i like the design i like the color i guess the backstory behind them isn't necessarily the greatest um but it, for the further for the pistons they have been being asked to do this by their fans from their perspective. They're listening to the, the people that are engaging with them, you know, on social media, the people that they're trying to reach nowadays, the younger generation, uh, the younger fans who are either just getting into their basketball fandom, who are going to you know, potentially be uh, financial contributors to the franchise for the next 30, 40, 50 years. So it, it makes sense that they're trying, you know, to reach that group. And I think it's at least they're doing something that, you know, is going to draw some eyes rather than something like what the Jazz are doing or, or like those Motor City jerseys that they had a couple years ago, Ugh. essentially just a copy of Denver's Mile High jerseys. Um, you know, they're doing something different. I, I'm a, I like it from, from that point of view. I guess I can understand the, uh, the disdain for them from, from the other side, you know, I just don't have those same feelings because I wasn't around. I wasn't alive for the bad boys. I wasn't alive, you know, for the majority of the time that these teal jerseys uh, were worn. So for, from that point of view, I just can't have those same types of, of, of feelings, but at the end of the day, you know, again, the Pistons are wearing these for 10 games. You're only going to see them 10 times. I guess if you really hate them that much, you don't watch the Pistons for for 10 games.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know Isaiah won't. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but they're, like I said I guess the last thing I'll say is these jerseys are going to do numbers the Kate Cunningham oh, yeah. jerseys will sell out day one they'll be insanely hard to get at least right off the bat I would imagine it's going to be the same for Jaden Ivey um so for the Pistons it's it's a smart organizational move I don't think they're going to get enough backlash to 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 matter when the financial implications are going
1: to be really really strong for them no absolutely not and you know what? I, I just laid out that old school perspective. Why don't I lay out like the, the new school viewpoint? Because I think if you're looking at from that perspective of somebody that is younger, that is in their, you know, early, mid twenties, maybe even er- younger than that. Um, look, the Pistons came out of the Teal era and won a title within four years. Um, and after that, of course, they went to those six straight Eastern Conference finals and, and two finals overall, won a title, but the last 15 years have been abysmal, far worse than the Teal era ever was. I mean, look, people talk about how, how much of a disappointment it was, but that team won, they had a team that won 54 games. They made the playoffs. They didn't win in the playoffs, but they made the playoffs, and that's more than you can say for any Piston team. What's the last Pistons team that got close to 54 wins? The 2016 team, and they won 43. So I look at it from that perspective, and it's like, yeah, in the immediate aftermath of the bad boys, I could see how switching to the teal was offensive to Isaiah Thomas and why he still reacts with real anger to it. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of the last 20 years, I mean, what's the big deal? They don't – there's nothing to <laughs> – If you're moving on from the last 15 years, good. That means you're trying to finally win. Doing something a little bit different, there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, you did come out of that teal area, and you won a title. So I think a lot of those criticisms, a lot of those things, they're just not so true anymore. The bad boys were 30 years ago. So more than 30 years ago. So I look at it from that younger fan perspective, and I totally agree with you, Aaron. At least it's exciting At least it's fun. It's something that's going to bring them some money. I don't have a problem with it personally.
0: So there's, you know, what was that? 20 minutes on NBA jerseys. Uh, (laughs) I never thought that I'd have to do 25 minutes on, on a topic of the uh, the shirts and the shorts that NBA players are going to wear for a couple games out of an 82 game season,
1: but. People feel strongly about it, Aaron. I don't know what to tell you.
0: People really, really, really do. And I, I guess you know not not being around for that era, I wasn't really enlightened to that whole situation. But there's 25 minutes on it. Um, let's move on to our second topic, the topic that I'm really excited to talk about. And we're talking basketball, actual <laughs> basketball. We're talking about the Detroit Pistons next season, 2022-2023 campaign. Not the jerseys, but the players and the performance on the court. You know, the Pistons are around the league considered to be one of the best. Uh, you know, teams in terms of young core players, young players in this league, Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, they are widely respected for the young core that the general manager Troy Weaver is building here in Detroit. With that being said, there's an expectation that some of these players are going to start taking that that next step in terms of their development. Now, some steps will be bigger than others. Some players will break out. Others might stagnate. Others might even regress. Let's talk about those players that are going to break out. Each of us came into today's podcast with a player that we think is due to break out next season. So Jasper, let's not wait any further. Who do you think will be the breakout piston for the 2022-2023 season?
1: Well, Aaron, the, the way we kind of did this was I, I picked a role player and you picked a star. And the reason I picked a role player, it's a guy that I have been talking about all off season. It's because the way that you become a championship contender is not just through one or two big stars. It's about having that complete team. And a player that I think can certainly fill a huge role for this roster is Isaiah Livers. Last season, livers was solid not not spectacular uh he only played 19 games he averaged six and a half points three rebounds very good shooting splits 46 percent overall 42 percent from three and 86 percent from the line um per 36 now these are not perfect numbers but 11 and a half points five and a half rebounds almost two steals and blocks combined what i'm a little bit more interested though is where I think he can fit into the starting lineup this year. So if you look at his time as a starter, only five starts, very small sample size, but we do have one. He averaged about 10 points, four and a half rebounds, and two threes per game in 29 minutes. I think that that is very, very reasonable to expect if he does become a starter this year. Um, Now, in those starts, he shot ridiculously. He literally shot 51 50 89. I don't expect that to continue, but I certainly think that type of production, especially from the fourth, fifth option in a piston piston starting lineup, is very very reasonable. Now, we've gotten a little bit of him in summer league as well. He only played the two games but he played extremely well. We've already broken down his defense, his ability to switch, his ability to get into the post and and be physical, but also get out onto the perimeter. He averaged 14 points, four and a half rebounds. And once again, he just looks so at ease. 44% overall, 39% from three. Um, So this is the profile of a player that absolutely has that level of efficiency in his game. Now. Here's my reasons why he can explode. First off, every single stat has to be taken with a grain of salt because Livers, frankly, only played 383 total minutes last season. However, in those minutes, his on off splits, Aaron, were plus 7.6. That is the best of any Piston who played over 200 minutes last year. Not only that, it wasn't just because they were so bad when he was off the floor, they were only minus 0.8 points per 100 with him on the court. They were almost dead even. That, to me, is really encouraging. And again, that was the best mark of any Piston with over 200 minutes. Now, when we're talking about him being a part of the starting lineup, him being a player that's going to take a leap this year, I think it has to come into a discussion about his role with this team. What do the Pistons need? Well, they need somebody who can catch and shoot on the perimeter, especially from the corners, especially now that they've gotten rid of Frank Jackson. What did Isaiah Livers do last year? He shot 43% on his catch and shoot threes from the corner, 64% efficient field goal percentage on those catch and shoots. He's extremely, extremely good from there. Not only that, in limited paint touches, he shot 71%. So, basically if they can put him on like the light version of the Sadiq Bay growth plan, he should up those paint touches, up his drives, especially since he shot almost 70% on drives to the rim last year. If you can up those paint touches a little bit, give him a couple more shots from outside. You're talking about about a player that can be extremely effective both inside and outside. Uh, That's essentially what you need from a modern three and D player. If Isaiah Livers can be that, there's no reason why he can't be a huge part of this Pistons lineup. Um, I mean, it's not just that. Like, his shot chart looks fantastic. There's an even spread around the, the perimeter, and he shoots well from every spot there. Basically, everything else comes inside the paint. So this is a guy you don't need to teach his role. He already is in his role. He already knows how to play it, and he's already been successful in limited minutes. Now talking about those limited minutes. I think that there is maybe a desire for people to look at that limited sample size and say, well, we can't really trust it. I think in this case, you have to go back to his college production. In college, Isaiah Rivers shot 41% from three shot 43% from three. His senior year made over two threes per game, his junior and senior years on 218 total attempts. He was a 90% free throw shooter. So those are all things that point to a guy having a sample size that is good enough to say this guy can shoot. Now, Aaron, I'm going to finish up with a couple of reasons why I think you can doubt him. Like I already said, he's only played 383 total minutes, and all of those minutes came at the end of the season when Detroit was already dead in the water. So it's harder to point to there being all these really competitive games i I know the pistons were better towards the end of the season but everybody looked at that schedule and said all right that's our night off pistons we we can take it easy another reason i think that maybe there's a reason for hesitation in him in the starting lineup is in the 151 minutes he played with kate cunningham the pistons had a net rating of negative 10.3 even worse their defensive rating was 123 points per 100 possessions His defensive rating of 114.6 was the worst of any piston with more than 100 minutes of playing time. That's worse than Marvin Bagley, who we have ripped apart for his defensive deficiencies on this podcast. So if Isaiah Livers is supposed to be your 3 and D guy, there's not a whole lot of evidence to show that the things that jump out on tape that we've already touched on in this podcast that you've seen in Summer League are necessarily impacting the overall defense. Still, and this is how I'll end it, what Isaiah Livers can bring to your offense is worth it, even if he's not necessarily affecting the Pistons' defense overall. Even if that's not not the case, it's not just noise, he's not Marvin Bagley, he's not going to actively, actively hurt you on that end. He is a proven shooter. And if he can show that his defense has taken a little bit of a leap, that it's part of a whole... There is no reason to believe Isaiah Livers cannot approach close to 30 minutes this year and give you at least 10 points per game on outstanding shooting. Worst case scenario, he's a great trade chip. Best case scenario, you just found the guy that every single team in this league that is a contender trades for every single year. That's my argument on that one, Aaron. I know I talked a lot about him. Uh, I put a lot of information into there. Isaiah Livers is a guy I feel really strongly about this upcoming season. I think he can be a really big part of this Piston score.
0: I'm gonna give you credit where credit's due. That was a hell of an argument. That was a whole lot of information, a whole lot of statistics, but I really like it. I do think that Isaiah Livers has that potential to be that high-level role player, that connector to a team that you know isn't the star necessarily either side of the floor but is such a a a reliable piece on both sides whether it's his shooting on offense or his ability to play help side and communicate defensively Uh, I I think there's a lot to be said about Isaiah Livers and what he can be for the Detroit Pistons I I love that you included that stat um, about you know his success playing alongside Kate Cunningham obviously that's in Incredibly important moving forward for the Pistons and I also think you have to give credit to what he did at the collegiate level at Michigan playing for a top program producing the way he did you have to give uh, some level of credence to those numbers because he didn't get a whole ton of time in the NBA last season because he spent the first half of the year recovering from a foot injury and when he was healthy he was easily right away when he stepped into the picture for Detroit was one of their better role players as a rookie coming in halfway through the season with a handful of G League games under his belt. And he immediately stepped in and was making an impact over some other guys that had been on the roster all season. And had been in the NBA for a handful of years. So I I really like that Isaiah Livers pick uh, taking it to another level, taking it to the top of the roster. I think Kate Cunningham is a guy that, that you have to look at as a potential, not breakout player for the Pistons, but breakout player in the NBA, breakout star in the NBA. This is a guy that last year was arguably the rookie of the year. Obviously, it did not go his way. But when you look at the season that he had in what I feel is an incredibly talented rookie class, definitely better than uh, the one the year before. And I think it's better than this rookie class coming in as well alongside Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes, just at the top. Uh, and you can throw Jalen green really, really in there as well.
1: And, and Franz Wagner. Uh, don't, well, we, don't, don't make the Michigan fans come after us. We
0: can go down the list uh, uh, of players because there are so many guys that I like uh, in the 2022 draft class um, or 2021, pardon me, but Kate Cunningham was phenomenal. And, and you look at the growth that he took from the first half of the season to the second half of the season. You know, jumped from under 16 points a game to over 21 points a game post all-star break. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing that, that you look at for him uh, is the shooting and the turnovers. Those were her, his biggest problems consistently throughout the year. Um, you know, post all-star break, he dropped all the way to 27.5% uh, from the three-point line shot just 31% on the year overall from beyond the arc. But I'm not concerned about that. I think Cade's numbers are bound to rise. And it it, it could be by three, four, five percentage points even. Uh, This is a guy that took six threes per game uh, at at Oklahoma State, was a 40% three-point shooter there. So he was making over two threes per game uh, at the collegiate level. This is also a guy that in the NBA was doubled uh, 12.8 possessions per game 27.5% 27 and a half percent of the possessions that Kate Cunningham played. He was double teamed. That is top 20 in the league. The handful of players that were doubled more than him. Let's go down that list and read off some of these players. Giannis, John Morant, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Jason Tatum. These stars of the league, the top 10, top 15 players. Top five players, if you're looking at guys like Luca, Tatum, Giannis, you're talking about the best of the best players in the NBA. Those were the only players in the league getting double teamed more than Cade Cunningham. And that's where a lot of Cunningham's inefficiency came from. This is a guy that only averaged one point per possession on double teams. This is a guy that obviously when you mix in, having to take some bad shots out of the double team and his turnover issues that are very, very understandable as a rookie guard, you know, coming into the league, playing on one of the worst teams in the league, playing on a team without a true number two ball handler, playing on a team without a lot of shooting. It was very, very easy for teams to just say, forget Corey Joseph, forget Frank Jackson and uh, whoever else. Like, I'm not worried about Killian Hayes. Let's just focus on keeping – Cade Cunningham under control. And to be fair, when teams did that, it was able to work a fair amount because those other guys on the roster mixed with Cade being a 20 year old rookie playing in his first season, there were bound to be mistakes. This is a guy that is primed to go into year two and take a major, major leap. He's ranked fourth on uh, DraftKings for most improved player of the year, best odds uh, behind the likes of Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards. He's right there with, with those guys. And I think you look at what Cade Cunningham, you know, has shown. He hasn't shown a ton of what he's doing this offseason, but from what we've seen from other people, uh, from other images, like he is training with guys like Kevin Durant, Damana Sabonis, a whole slew Kyrie Irving, Chris Paul, like a whole slew of, of great, great players in this league. The Pistons have another guard to go alongside him now uh, in Jaden Ivey. Having a veteran guard like Alec Burks who can handle and can shoot and can score is going to do wonders for Cunningham. The roster overall, Isaiah Livers being available for a full season is going to help. Like the team got better around Cunningham. There's a little bit more shooting. There's definitely some more ball handling. It bodes well for Cade Cunningham to really, really take a leap because I think it'll be a lot harder for teams. To throw as many double teams at Cunningham as they were last year, and hell, even if they are throwing double teams, obviously Cunningham is going to be much more prepared to handle them. Especially when you go from you know the first half of his rookie season to the second half, even there there was a jump in his ability to handle you know those double teams, those triple teams that he saw uh, at times. So I am all in on Kate Cunningham taking a big leap this year. I think he's a guy that could make the all-star game. I think some of that is unfortunately going to depend on how good of a team Detroit is. It's not going to be the biggest factor, but I do think there's something to be said about that uh, in terms of getting votes from coaches, getting votes from players, maybe not necessarily from fans. I still think this is a guy that is bound to take a major step forward, be an all-star level player, even if he doesn't necessarily make the team be one of those guys considered for most improved player of the year the numbers are bound to improve this is a guy that averaged 21 six and six and a half assists per game uh in the second half of the year so i i I think if he goes and averages 21 six and six or excuse me 22 six and six for a full season like obviously that's an all-star player and obviously he's going to have made some serious improvements if he becomes a more consistent three-point shooter that we did see at the collegiate level if he's able to turn down the turnovers just a little bit those will that, that will really help his game you know in the box score overall it's going to be easier for cunningham to reform at a higher level this year with higher level players around him with more ball handling a little bit more shooting around him even though i don't think the pistons have a great shooting uh, team just yet um but this is a guy that was you know had a 26 27 percent usage in his rookie year like that's essentially unprecedented for for rookies for young players to, to carry the burden uh, that cunningham did in his first season in the nba i think an off season of development is bound to do wonders for him and, and you're going to see him take that big big jump uh to help put, bring the pistons forward
1: uh in their development as a franchise yeah aaron I, i'm really glad you brought up kate because you know, the player I chose in Isaiah Livers is, let's be real, he's, he's a role player right now, but I'm picking him to become more than just a role player. I'm picking him to become a real part of the core of this franchise, but that is going to all depend on the development of Cade Cunningham, and Cade taking that next step is what's going to allow other players like Isaiah Livers, like Isaiah Stewart, like Jaden Ivey, like Sadiq Bey, to take that next step in their development as players. Because the fact of the matter is, you know, role players are largely created by the stars around them and the situations that they're put in by those stars. So I totally agree with you. I absolutely think Kate can take that that next leap into that all-star level player this year, improve his efficiency, cut down on those turnovers, up his scoring. Up his output across the board and by doing so you know a rising tide lifts all boats and if Cade can do that I certainly think that the path to becoming real impactful winning NBA players for the rest of the roster I think that's all going to depend on Cade so I'm really glad you brought him up as well I totally agree with you you know those double teams the more comfortable he gets navigating them the more open shots it opens up for those guys like Alec Burks and Isaiah Livers and Sadiq Bay. So, yeah, I, I, I love it, Aaron. Um, I think that the Pistons, I mean, outside of just those two guys have a lot of players on this roster uh, that could certainly have a shot at breaking out this year. Uh, Sadiq Bay being one of them, Isaiah Stewart being another one of them. Uh, they're going to have a chance to do that. I would love if anybody in our YouTube comments has somebody that they think we missed um, maybe another role player, please don't hesitate to comment. We love that. So we want to know what you think as well.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I think if you're looking at another guy, I think Sadiq Bay is going to be the popular, popular name of guys that could break God. I think a lot of people are excited for his third year in the league. uh, The stories that have come out about him uh, this summer have certainly riled up and excited some of the fan base and and rightfully so you know those are fun stories the piece uh, from from james edwards in the athletic talking about how you know, he went out to colorado and and did, did some insane training there i even saw he was uh with detroit piston franchise legend arnie candor um yeah arnie posted that i think a week or two ago so i'm not sure how recent uh the picture is i know uh Sadiq was out uh at summer league in las vegas not sure if that was you know, from before, or if he's back in Colorado, but uh, I think that's, that's another guy that's going to be a popular pick and, and rightfully so going into his third year. I think there's definitely some, some things that he can do to help take his game uh, to the next level. But like Jasper said, yeah, definitely let us know. If if you're watching this on YouTube, let us know in the comments what you think is due to break out for the Pistons in, in your, in there, you know, in this upcoming year, do you agree with me? Do you agree with Jasper? Do you have a different name? Definitely, definitely let us know. Uh, I did want to point out that if we were talking about the entire NBA overall, uh, as Mike and said in our, in our podcast group chat, you know, even though he couldn't be on uh, on the show with us, so he was still talking with us. He said, I would pick Stanley Johnson. He's hundred <laughs> percent. <light. laughs> year seven year eight Stanley Johnson is, is due for a breakout. It's also insane that I think he's been in the, in the league now for five, six years. Uh, that's just it's, – it's insane to me because – Aaron, like,
1: seven years now, man. Seven years. Drafted in 2015. My goodness. Crazy.
0: Because that's when I – I think the year before is when I really started to get in, uh, you know, to to immersing myself in basketball and the Pistons. Uh, so it's absolutely crazy that he's going into his seventh year. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. But, yes, if we were picking just in terms of the entire NBA, absolutely Stanley Johnson would be my pick, my, I had to give you a little. Sh- <laughs> I had to give you Aaron, a little. Not end, couldn't be with us. Aaron,
1: Aaron, before we wrap this up, have I have I ever mentioned that my one of my ex girlfriends is dating a former um, teammate of Stanley Johnson, Caleb Tarjewski? I,
0: I, you mentioned this. I don't know if you've done it on a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I done this before, like probably a while ago, but I do remember you telling me that.
1: Yeah, I have some. I have some good dirt on uh, on Milan's. Uh, Eurobasket team. So, if anybody wants some inside scoops on on what's going on behind the scenes there, you know, just hit me up on Twitter if you're a big Eurobasket fan. I don't know if Bet Online has those odds or not. Uh, we'll have to check in. It
0: was, I guess, I guess we'll have to now. Jasper's got got all the scoop, he's got the inside info uh on Euro happening. So, yeah, anything else besides Euro League basketball that that we want to hit on before we, we wrap this one up?
1: Oh my god, I don't know. I, I was also once in a fantasy baseball league with Dennis Rodman. That's, that's all I got. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's I I don't think I've mentioned that on the pod either. Mike's going to be mad that he's, he's missing some stories, but I'll just finish with this. Uh, The year before in that same, same fantasy baseball league, Jose Canseco was the guest owner uh, the year before Dennis Rodman. And weirdly enough, both he and Dennis both dated Madonna and Carmen Electra in the nineties. So I asked Dennis Rodman. I was like, "Hey Don, t- hey Dennis, how was uh, how was dating Carmen Electra?" And he goes, oh, "Freak." <laughs> that was it. That was, that was the whole interaction.
0: You're getting, you're getting some, some, some gems, some deep cuts right now from from Jasper. Yeah,
1: if you stick around on the end of the, these podcasts, I'll I'll, I, uh, I'll drop some gems. So yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, give the list.
1: You've
0: been blessed with too much here in these last couple of minutes.
1: Yeah, uh, you, you heard it straight from the worm's mouth, folks. Carmen Electro, oh, freak! <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I think this is where we gotta
0: wrap before we go any deeper into the rabbit hole, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Make sure. Uh, to follow us uh, on Twitter, you can follow Palace of Pistons at Palace of Pistons, myself at A Johnson NBA, and Jasper at Blade Cunningham. Uh, guys, thanks so much again for listening. Thanks to uh, Believe and our sponsor, Bet Online. We're going to see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast.